Yeah, we see a gold planet heading for... No. (laughs) A gold planet. (laughs) Welcome to Stargazing, a Stargate-gazing podcast. I'm your host, Kathy. And I'm your other host, Mary. And each week we discuss an episode of Stargate beginning with Stargate SG-1. Hello! Hello! Yay! Huzzah! Sorry, I am so much later than I told you I was going to be. I yeah, am worse. it's fine. It's been a week, and it is only Wednesday. What a week, huh? Lemon, it's Wednesday. Oh, that's so sad. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Everything's fine. Let me first tell you, friends, beloveds, <laughs> sorry that the episode last week, which is still this week, as of today, because the episode is still not posted as of right now. Sorry it's late, but we've just had some work chaos happening. All kinds of work chaos happening. Ah! Long story short, Monday, I was emailed by my boss to say that somebody abandoned their class a week ago and just skipped the country and stopped responding to emails. So that's fun because, you know, we're in the middle of a semester right now and there's a bunch of students freaking out. So I spent Monday trying to help her find a replacement as rapidly as possible by talking to like everybody I know to see if anyone could cover this class. And of course, nobody could because it's in the middle of the day on a Wednesday. And... So, guess who has to cover it now? <laughs> Ooh, who? That's me. <laughs> oh, I was so surprised. I know. I know that you're shocked because I haven't been complaining to you. Well, compl- I'm no. not complaining. I actually don't mind doing it, but it just means that it's been for a crazy, hectic first half of the week because I've just been like fielding emails nonstop from all of the students in this new section that I've taken on. And I had to spend like an extra two hours doing a, an extra review session for them today because it's exams week on top of everything. So, of course, I'm doing like tons of grading and I have to give them an exam and they haven't been learning stuff because nobody's been teaching them. And I've been like just trying to figure out what is even happening with their shell like their course shell online because it's set up very differently from how i run things and oh boy yeah but here we are we are mostly okay yay (laughs) (laughs) and the many many angry emails that i have been getting have mostly slowed down to some mostly okay emails and many mostly grateful emails (laughs) from students that are just like all right well i'm just glad we have an instructor and you seem nice so okay (laughs) that's good till you tell them about you know the arbitrary grading system that you're taking on this year you all get a's or f's and there is no test and you all failed it and you all got a's i did not (laughs) but it's getting very tempting because now (laughs) Now I have 125 exams that I'm going to have to grade by next week. Yay! Yeah. (laughs) So there's that. Yeah. Because I went from having my normal 75 (sighs) students that will each have two exams, a lecture exam and a practical exam, to having 100 students. And I'm not doing their lab, so I don't have an extra 50 exams. I just have an extra 25. (laughs) I can't teach their lab because I'm already teaching a different lab at that time. And we can't combine them because there's too many students. Ah. So they had to split the course between me and someone else. But for any of you who teach, I now have 21 contact hours <laughs> that I am teaching this semester, which is actually kind of insane because the normal number is 12 yeah. to 15. 
cool. My -hmm. week has not been like that. I am glad. I am glad to hear it. Today, the big excitement for me was there's a spider outside of my house that had made a home for itself right above our front door. (laughs) It was pretty, it was a good sized spider and the web was pretty impressive. And he'd been hanging out there for quite a while. And I was talking to my brother about how at some point we were going to try to move him because we didn't want him coming in the house in the winter. Understandably. Yeah. So my brother took it upon himself today to work on that. He sent me a text that says, The spider retreated into the corner so I can't remove it unless I kill it, which I'm not gonna. The web is gone. I used the dead plant, which was just branches stuck into some foam sitting on my... (laughs) my porch to tear the web down I said i hope it goes elsewhere and not in the house and he said he hopes so too if it comes inside though he'll just catch it in a jar and relocate it then later he said the spider is still there and it's very <laughs> obvious that it knows that kurt is messing with it as it was staring <laughs> at him when he walked out the door tell of a spider staring at you and then he says i touched it with a stick a couple times while pulling some remnants away from its webs it might still be there when you get here but i doubt it will rebuild its nest there (laughs) i did not see it when i got home but there are some nooks up there it could hide in (laughs) well first of all i very very much appreciate that you do not just kill spiders i know especially because you hate them that scary that's extra difficult for you to not just go to that instinct of wanting to kill it but don't kill spiders spiders are our friends and i'm glad that neither of you are trying to kill it but also your brother (laughs) that's true (laughs) but i mean i've already known that for a very long time (laughs) spider spider and him were having a battle of wills or something i don't know apparently Yeah. He's not here right now. He is gone for the day. The spider or your brother or I'm both? I'm hoping both, but mainly my brother. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, I hope the spider is gone yeah. well, for that's good. good. Yeah. Move to a new home. Although I feel like given the time of year, it's most likely it's going to try to move into my home. So we'll see. <laughs> Quite possibly. Kathy, I have some additional important news that is actually Stargate Ooh. related. It's not really news. Well, it's news to me. It's probably not news to maybe some of our listeners, but it is news to me in that I have figured out where the name Tech Davis comes from. Oh, really? Yes. Because when I was posting about our delayed episode, I was trying to find a picture of our beloved Walter. Yeah. And there was actually... I don't remember what the caption was, but in any case, they had a picture of Walter and a big giant arrow pointing to the shirt that he was wearing, which happened to have a name tag on it. So, of course, I zoomed in at what the arrow was actually pointing at, and his name tag said Norman Davis. Oh, interesting. So that's weird. So apparently his name is, I don't know, Walter Norman Davis Harriman? Maybe his name is Norman Davis, but he decided to change it when Jack <laughs> named him. He was like, you know, I really haven't, like, felt like myself, but Jack said that to me. That seemed right. Let's right? go with it. Yeah, that maybe that's possible. Maybe he never, yeah, if he never felt like a Norman and he's like, you know what? Walter is fantastic. I love it. Then exactly. I don't really know why he changed his last name because of it, but maybe he just thought that Harriman sounded better with Walter maybe. than Davis did. Walter Davis versus Walter Harriman. <laughs> maybe he was tired of people confusing him with Major Davis. <laughs> that, that is also possible. Yes. 
It's Good only one. Point. The circuit's <laughs> only big enough for one Davis. <laughs> and the one with the higher rank gets yeah. to keep the name. <laughs> Fair. Well, that's fun. That must be it. Yeah. Right? Good I to thought know. so. I was excited to yeah. learn that. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Was Walter even in this episode? Walter <laughs> was, in fact, ah. not in this episode. Oops. Not that I recall. Because they were pretty much in space for this entire episode. Yeah. Right? Yeah. None of it was not in space. But it wasn't on Earth anyway. Because they True. were briefly on, right, the Tokra planet? Kind of, yeah. It actually kind of picked up where the last episode left off. Yes. That said, what is this episode that we are talking about that picks up where that last episode this left off? This is Stargate SG-1 Season 4, Episode 22. The last episode the of the last season. The last episode of Season 4 called Exodus. So we are making our way out of season four. Indeed. Yeah, that's what I'm going with. Shall I start with my recap of the recap? I was hoping you would. I feel like this one's not quite as fun as some of my <laughs> other ones, but Tanith, the super ominous looking Toka, is not surprisingly a bad guy. Tilk is a soul patch. Vigo killed Tilk's dad. Apophis killed Harrower and took over his empire. But then Vigo got killed by Tilk 3.0. That's pretty <laughs> much it. Well done. <laughs> that is... Apparently a uh, a summary of Crossroads, Serpent's Venom, and Double Jeopardy Ooh. that we got flashbacks yeah. from. Good job. Yeah. We see a gold ship heading for a planet. End of scene. No. <laughs> <laughs> There's a gold spaceship headed for a planet, which turns out to be the Tok'ra's planet, Vorash. Mm-hmm. And we see Tanith is concerned about the goings-on. People mill about a lot in these Tok'ra tunnels. I don't really know what they do. They but do. they mill about, but there's no, like, hustle to it. Right. They mill about all wearing pants. It is worth adding. Yes, they all had pants on. Holy crap. Yeah. Apparently, even though they're all just kind of leisurely milling about, Tanith realizes something's wrong. And mm-hmm. he asks a Tok'ra nearby what's going on. And she lets him know that this ship has been spotted. And he's like, we got to get out of here. But she's like, actually, though, we're expecting it. And then we see the rings come. (laughs) (laughs) And surprise, it is SG-1 and Jacob Carter. (gasps) And they're come to visit. And then we get credits. After credits, we're still in the Toker Tunnels. Tilk, Jacob, and Jack are talking about how Tanith seemed surprised to see them, and it's because they've been keeping Tanith out of the loop about their plan. As they're walking, Jacob is trying his very best to convince Jack to just hand over the gold mothership to him, which made no sense because I can't imagine that would be just Jack's right? decision. Although, you know what? Who knows? Because he always can convince Hammond to do anything. So maybe it is just his decision. But I would think that probably like the Joint Chiefs and President would be involved in I that. Guess. Yeah. yeah. We also learned a little bit more about their strategy, about what's been going on. And apparently they've been using Tanith to give Apophis a whole bunch of fake information. And it's been really helpful in saving some Toker lives. But they're not going to take him with them wherever it is that they're moving. They're building a more permanent base. And they're going to do something with Tanith. He's not coming. No. Yeah. 
They've got a little surprise planned, yeah, in yeah. fact, Jacob says. Maybe we should note their plan is to actually take the whole Stargate with them. Yeah, I don't think they've mentioned that yet, but yes, that is I think they mentioned in that scene when he's talking about Tana. Did they? Talking to Apophis, or, yeah. Oh, all right. So they want to go off the grid. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They're already living that doomsday prepper lifestyle, I feel like. Right? And I'm pretty tempted to go that way yeah. myself. At right. this rate. <laughs> yeah. Jacob leads them into a Tok'ra conference room. Tanith is there amongst the Tok'ra seated at the table. The Tok'ra lady, who doesn't have a name, I don't think. Female Tok'ra one. Ah, excellent. Yes. <laughs> she welcomes them. Then Tanith jumps in and is like, oh, I was intrigued by your ship there, huh? How did you get that? Jack drops it on him that they killed Cronus. And he's very interested in this fact. He is continuing to act super sketch. And if he's trying to convince anyone that he's not a super bad guy, he's doing a really bad job of it. But it's okay because immediately after this, Selmak <laughs> reveals that they are moving and that Tanith was not informed of this because he is a spy. And they all know he's a spy. And sucks to be him. As you reminded us in the first Tanith episode, they don't have doors so that they can't keep secrets from yeah. each other. So again, how are they keeping any secrets from I him? I don't know. I guess they just whisper across the tunnel. Like, I don't know. When he's he's in one tunnel, they're in another. Yeah. Have secret meetings out in the Maybe. desert. But yeah, they're basically like, you suck. You're, you're, you're uh, what's the word? I want to say two-timer. That's not the word. <laughs> no. Traitor? But not really. He's a liar. Not really. I don't know. They have known all along that he sucks and that he's a liar and that he killed yeah. Shonak and has been spying and sharing information with Apophis. And Teal'c's like, Apophis will be most displeased when he learns the truth. Tanith, for one second, denies it. But then he gets up to leave and he, the other Tok'ra take out a gun, a Zat gun. And hold it on him. And so he flashes his eyes, which everyone knows only the gold do that, right? <laughs> We've definitely seen the Tok'ra do it. Like when Sam got taken over by Jolinar, she definitely had her eyes flash. Yeah. So Tanith is stuck there. He's got some last words that the system lords will hunt yeah. you all down. Yeah. Then Jack calls him a living cliche. And I was like, what does he mean by that? <laughs> Exactly. I think they're just making fun of themselves at this point for having this guy be such a cliche bear. <laughs> well, we didn't have a mustache to twist or anything. That's true. Yeah, I feel like that was a missed opportunity if they really wanted to. I mean, like, yeah, like I said, he's acting super shady anyway, so he's clearly a bad guy because he also just looks sketchy, but they should have given him a twisty mustache. <laughs> Although perhaps that's fallen out of favor. Mm. Anyway. <laughs> Apparently, even though they don't have doors, they do have force fields. So they're able to put Tanith in some sort of a holding cell and Tilk goes down to see him. One of the guards that lets him in is not wearing pants. <laughs> but the other one looks like he is. Basically, Tilk just went down there to gloat <laughs> about how Tanith is going to die and he deserves it because of what he did to Shanak. And they're going to be removing Tanith's symbiote leaving the symbiote behind, saving the host, and that the extraction process, from what Tilk understands, is incredibly painful for the hagfish. 
And of course, he also gloats about the fact that Tanith has helped to save hundreds or thousands of lives with all of the false information that he has spread back to Apophis. Tanith, of course, tries to bully Teal'c and is talking about how weak Shanak was at the end, but Tilk accuses him of basically just trying to get Tilk to lose his patience and just kill Tanith outright because it'll be an easier death than having his hagfish removed would be. I thought Christopher Judge did a very good job with playing Ominous yeah, yeah. in this scene. It was quite yeah. good. Yep. Tilk doesn't fall for it, though. No. He doesn't. He does not kill Tanith, and he just leaves the cell. Gloating about <laughs> the upcoming pain that Tanith will be receiving. Yeah. Yeah. Jack and Jacob have made their way up to the ship in orbit. There are a bunch of other Tok'ra milling about there because that's what they do. They're also carrying mm-hmm. things. They're, you know, packing, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. It's moving yeah. day. Jack is concerned that they're going to scuff the walls, of course. <laughs> Their beautiful yeah. new ship with all the gold and the hieroglyphics. They have a disagreement about the use of this ship. Jacob thinks they should just hand it over to the Tok'ra. But Jack's like, uh, no, this is our big fat asset. <laughs> and Jacob reminds them of the Death Glider incident. And points out that this is way more complicated than that. So maybe, maybe he should listen. Yeah. But oh, they're at an impasse, even, you know fundamental disagreement on what to do with this thing yeah right but again why it would be up to jack i don't understand (laughs) so (laughs) and why jacob would think it's up to jack i also don't understand yeah jack thinks that it's time maybe the tokra took a more direct approach like they did stealing the ship and killing cronus jacob says they don't operate that way but you know so they're just honestly what what is even the point of this (laughs) There really isn't. No, they're just arguing back and forth about, yeah, their strategies and methods for taking on the gold. Jack asks what the Tok'ra's plan is, because Jacob says they have one. And he says, you know, undermine the gold's individual power and keep them fighting amongst themselves until they can eliminate them all. And that they're working on this plan. (laughs) That's the whole plan, which... That is the whole plan. I feel like it's been their whole plan. We already knew that. So again, what is this scene? In my opinion, the most important takeaway of this scene is that one more Tok'ra walked by with no pants. (laughs) That is the most important thing that happens in this scene. (laughs) So now we have two Tok'ra with no pants that we have seen in this episode of Many Tok'ra. I mean, I guess it's good to know. We already knew the Tok'ra and Jack see things differently. Maybe I'm misremembering and things will come up later that relate back to it. So we'll see. Yeah, I don't know. From what we've seen of this episode so far, it does seem like a pretty pointless scene. Which I didn't feel like it when I was watching it. (laughs) Right, I didn't either. It didn't even occur to me. But now that you're talking about it or we're talking about it, I'm like, oh, yeah, this really didn't go anywhere. Oh, and then he said this, and there's a bit like, why? Why does it matter? I'm not going to recount all of this. (laughs) It was quite a lengthy scene of them going back and forth. Yeah. Down in Tanith's cell, he's basically taunting the Tok'ra guards and saying that they're only going to remove the symbiote from the host in order to try to save the host, but they can't save the host if Tanith kills the host first. So he closes his eyes, has a seizure, and collapses on the ground. That seems bad. They, of course, let the force field down, go in to check on him. One guard declares, oh no, he's already dead, it's too late. <laughs> 
But clearly that guy was wrong because a second later, Tandeth reaches his hand up and chokes that guard. <sighs> yeah. Okay. And the next scene, basically, they find out that Tanith has escaped. Yeah. My question is, how? There were three yes. guards. Yes. And one of them had a Zat gun yeah. drawn and already pointed at Tanith as he was collapsed on the ground. And there was a second guard with him also. So I don't how? know. <laughs> it really it made no sense. It doesn't make any sense. I don't understand. But whatever. Nope. It moves nope. the plot along. Yep. <laughs> yes, it does. Yeah. I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A little bit later, SG-1 is seated around some sort of a table with a bunch of Tok'ra people. Turns out that all of the supplies have been packed onto the ship, so it's time to start transporting the Tok'ra up to the ship. Then Jacob comes in and tells them all of Tanith's escape that you and I were just complaining about. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah. Yeah. So, of course, we see outside on the planet surface that Tanith is running along a sand dune. He... Apparently has a stash of some sort that he's got hidden under a dead tree and he digs it up and there is a communication device in there. And this really got me to wondering why they did the whole villain monologuing thing, but they were the good guys in this case. So like the Tok'ra are telling him their whole plan and threatening how they're going to kill him and not immediately killing him. They just leave him to stew and then... (laughs) plan his escape so. no one not even the good guys can resist a good gloat i guess right? apparently not yeah apparently also not. his face looked kind of messy like i thought later in the episode he'd been out <laughs> in the sun longer it was kind of red and splotchy but oh, he just got out there so i was like is it just because the sun is on him now for realsies and does this actor have like a splotchy face i don't know Maybe. Wasn't he kind of running? Maybe, maybe he was running in the maybe heat. Maybe that's what it was. I don't know. I didn't even notice. I don't but. know. Because it continues on. And at that point, I was like, oh, maybe he's sunburned. He's been outside for a while. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> SG-1 and various Tok'ra have gone to search for Tanith somewhere on the planet. Teal'c's scanning with some binoculars, but they're not seeing anything. Teal'c doesn't think he could have escaped through the Stargate, but Jack's like, well... <laughs> It's guarded by the same people who were guarding you in the first place, so uh, <laughs> can't rule that out. Right point. Yeah. Jack thinks he's boned without water. Maybe they could just leave him there to die. He doesn't say that, but I feel like that's the implication. Tilk, though, is going to continue to look for him because Tilk does not want to mess around with this. He needs to make sure Tanith gets his. Tilk's going to keep looking and Jack's going to head elsewhere. <laughs> I do like that at the end of this scene, it's apparent that Jack has also noticed how weird it is that the Tok'ra just seem to mill about all the time because he walks up to two random Tok'ra standing there and says, how do you know where to stand anyway? (laughs) Yeah. I guess they're waiting for transporter rings or something. I think so, but how do they know where those are? But but yeah, exactly. It's not like they're marked or anything. Right. Can can the Gwalu or the the, the Tok'ra sense the rings? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe the Naquita helps them to sense Maybe. it. Assuming they're made of Naquita. I assume it has Naquita in it somewhere. Yeah. Down in the tunnels, Daniel meets up with Jack. <laughs> they talk about the fact that there's no sign of Tanith everywhere and that Teal'c is still up there looking for him because it's a Jaffa revenge thing. They head back to the council room and meet up with Jacob and some other Tok'ra again. 
it becomes apparent that Tanith has, in fact, managed to communicate with Apophis because Apophis is on his way to meet them at their current location. Oops. Yeah, that sucks. Not only that, but he's assembling an attack fleet to bring with him, so that's fun. It's going to take him less than a day to get there and also get that fleet together. That is very speedy and surprising at how good he is at that. But they're going to have to speed up their entire evacuation process. And they're going to start sending people through the gate in order to do that rather than ringing them all up to the ship. On a different note, Sam and Jacob have a new plan that is also going to require them to use the ship. So that's another reason why they're going to be using the gate to get the Tok'ra off the planet. And that plan involves exploding (laughs) the sun. And to do that, they're going to have to take the ring and get to the sun because they say that this sun is a main sequence star. And so I looked that up. And according to space.com, a main sequence star is one that fuses hydrogen atoms to form helium atoms in their core, which is exactly what our sun does. So our planet is orbiting around one of these main sequence type stars. Cool. That doesn't really have anything to do with anything, but I was Important interested. Well, I mean, it kind of does. Because, because first of all, science facts are always relevant. And second of all, their plan to remove a large piece of it to get rid of the equilibrium that's keeping it at its current size is going to cause it to explode. In order to get it to explode and remove that large chunk of its mass, they're going to basically throw the Stargate at it while it is open with a wormhole to the black hole planet. Fun! Which is yeah. bananas. They do talk about the physics of how removing some of the star's mass will cause instant explosion. I have yeah. no idea if that's at all accurate or not. But if any of you do know way more about physics than I do, and presumably Kathy, I would love to hear, actually, if this is it all For accurate. sure. Right? So yeah, they're going to take the mothership as close to the sun as they can, throw that open gate at it, and then hopefully shortly after that, there will be a very giant boom. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I did appreciate in this scene that we got another example that just shows us how much smarter Jack is than he pretends to be, though, because they're telling him all of this science stuff about their plan and why it's going to work. And he didn't look at all confused. He looked contemplative and wasn't asking questions. It was clear he understood what they were talking about. Under normal circumstances, when it's less dire, he'd for sure be telling Sam that he has no idea what the hell she's saying. But (laughs) where it's important here, he clearly understands and he's not playing dumb. So they don't need to be like, son, big boom. Right. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Elsewhere, Teal'c is sitting down and just staring, staring. There's a crystal in front of him, but he's not staring at that. Even though we focus on it at the start of the scene. Daniel's come to see Teal'c to let him know about the change of plans, but he already knows about that. Daniel's real reason is that he's got a... Make sure Teal'c knows that Tanith can't get away because the sun's going to blow up. Teal'c has been thinking about the fact that he has had the opportunity twice to avenge Shonak's murder. He has let those opportunities slide by, thus failing Shonak. That's sad. Daniel's like, no. I felt bad for him here. Daniel's like, no, we'll think about this way. Tanith living will help save more Tok'ra and what they're going to do now is take down Apophis. Teal'c, though, wants to know if Daniel, given what Apophis did to Shaori, would he not want the opportunity to just crush him to death with his bare hands? Right. And Daniel's like, no, I thought about it, but 
doesn't mean I do it given a more rational option, but I'm not sure that's true. But yeah, that's okay. It depends on Daniel. Sometimes he's fine and sometimes he's like, I don't know, bonkers. Depends on whether or not he's in one of his genocide yeah, moods. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And Teal'c, though, says in the future he will not be capable of such restraint. And he gets up and leaves while Daniel makes reaction faces. I enjoy Daniel's <laughs> reaction faces. Like <laughs> In this episode, yeah. they were good. Yeah, I agree. On the mothership, it turns out that all of the Toker have been evacuated and they are ready to go. They've got the gate where it needs to be and they're going to head out. Jack notices that there's a throne sitting in the corner, so excitedly yells shotgun and then runs over to sit on it. <laughs> Is swinging his legs on it because it's a big throne. They head out and it's going to take them about 68 minutes to reach the sun at their current speed. Oh. And they need to make sure that that timing is absolutely precise because they need to be close enough to the sun so that they can release the Stargate and have the Stargate get sucked into the sun, but with enough time so that they themselves are not going to get sucked into the sun. And Apophis is not going to be able to figure out what is going on until he is right there at Vorash, but by then it's going to be too late for him to escape anyway. <laughs> Elsewhere on the cargo ship, I guess later, yeah. Sam and Jack yeah. have gone down to the cargo hold to prepare to dial and launch the Stargate. Jacob informs them that they are in position. It sounds like they're all good to go. They dial out and the gate connects. They are ready. They put a force field around yeah. the Stargate. We should mention that they have figured out that even though the planet was destroyed by now, that somehow the gate would not yet have been destroyed. Well, it is a Stargate. Can withstand <laughs> so many things. Right. Except being yeeted into a sun, possibly. We'll find out. <laughs> yep. So they put a force field around the Stargate. Sam takes a moment, as she does, because she is a scientist, and she's like, I've yeah. just never blown up a star before. <gasps> I thought that was pretty great. Yeah. <laughs> she opens the doors and releases the gate and it floats out of the ship and towards the sun. I guess we're just going to ignore the whole time dilation effect thing this time around. I guess. I mean, maybe the... F I can't imagine the force field stops that because they couldn't right. stop it exactly. before. And they were not that far from the gate. So I would think that time for... Jack and Sam would be going way slower than it would be for yeah. Jacob and the others. I don't know. Maybe because it's so fast that they release it. I don't know. Just making excuses. <laughs> doo, doo. It goes whoop, whoop, whoop. Jacob confirms that the Stargate is exactly on their planned trajectory. They're preparing to jump to hyperspeed. But then, uh-oh, a scout ship decloaks and starts firing on them. So that sucks. Yeah. Yeah. They try to fire back, but the mothership is way bigger and slower than the Alkesh, as Tilk calls it. Tilk is the one that is at the controls trying to fire back on it. And I don't know why I thought it was funny, but at one point when the thing flies by them again and Tilk is continuing to try to shoot at it, we just get a random close up of Tilk's hand on the blue circle that is like supposed to be the weapons control. And it suddenly turns like an inch clockwise, his hand. <laughs> Huh. And that was it. Like, just a quick <laughs> close-up of his hand on a circle. And I was like, what the hell was the point of that? But it was funny. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that was yeah. the point. To amuse you. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe so. 20 years later. 
Yeah. They lose main power. That sucks. Then they also lose hyperdrive and that sucks even more (laughs) because they've just sent a gate that is attached to a black hole at the sun. (laughs) And now they can't get away. They're wondering why this bomber thing hasn't taken them out yet. And they figure that they actually must have hit it and done more damage than they had thought. They're still trying to figure out who might even be on that ship, but they have no idea who this is because there's no way that it's Apophis because it's just way too soon for him to have made it there. And Jack's like, well, it doesn't matter anyway, because we're going to get blown out of the sky. And it's not the sky, Jack. This is space. (laughs) They're kind of grasping at straws, but Jack's got an idea. So he brings Tilk along with him and they're going to head down to where the death gliders are kept. Yeah, death gliders. Mm -hmm. Then we get a scene of Tilk and Jack running down the hall and they are wearing pants because they're not (laughs) Tokra. That's true. (laughs) They are often, almost always, in fact, maybe always in this show, wearing pants. Yeah. (laughs) They launch themselves out in one glider. They're hanging out together in the glider, headed for the uh, Al-Kesh. They confirm that the ship has been damaged, and Jack says, let's put her out of her misery. But then, the Al-Kesh suddenly just flies away. Uh Uh-oh. Whoops. Teal'c's like, they appear to have repaired their engines. <laughs> yes, thank you yeah. for that explanation, Teal'c. Yeah. Jack reports to Jacob that they're running from them. And Jacob says, let them go. Because they've got to yeah. get the fuck out of there. Right. Before the sun explodes. Yes. All that. Yeah. Unfortunately, though, <laughs> Teal'c points out that they're headed for Vorash. And... That they cannot allow Tanith to escape, so instead of heading back, Teal'c makes a beeline for the planet. Hmm. Daniel explains, it's a Jaffa revenge thing. (laughs) And Carter lets them know they have a little more than an hour. Uh Uh Uh-oh, indeed. (laughs) I also like that Jack's like, oh yeah, we've got plenty of time, right, Teal'c? Right, Tilk, right? <laughs> Tilk is not answering. No. Tilk does not seem to think that they will, in fact, have plenty of time. Yeah. Aww. Yeah. <laughs> Sam and Jacob head off to try to fix the hyperdrive. Jacob tells Daniel to take the Peltac, which you and I were trying to figure out last episode what Peltac means. Apparently it means the controls. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. good. Back with Tilk and Jack. They've got their target in range. They're focused on it. Then on the planet's surface, we see Tanith looking all smug Tanith face as he sees the big bomber ship coming into the atmosphere. And then I really enjoyed his shifting facial expressions here because he goes from that smug bad guy face to surprise when the Death Glider comes into view following the bomber ship (laughs) and then alarm And then scared as he runs for his life because both ships are heading straight for him as the death glider is firing on the bomber. And then the bomber explodes. (laughs) I thought it was a pretty great scene. That's really good. Yeah. Unfortunately, they are way too close to the ground, they being Jack and Teal'c. So even though they've succeeded in destroying the bomber ship, they're not going to be able to pull up in time to avoid crashing into the planet. Jack radios out a mayday. Daniel hears them, but... When he asks what's happening, he does not get a response back. So that sucks. And also, I was wondering why the throne that is behind Daniel in this scene that had been tan before is now purple and glowing. Interesting. I didn't notice that. Yeah. Huh. 
I have no answer. Meanwhile, Jacob has managed to get main power weapons and shields back. But the hyperdrive, though, is having some problems because the control circuit is fried. That's a problem. And it's probably going to take a little while, so they got to work fast. Before they can start that, Daniel radios them to let them know that he has received a mayday from Jack and is no longer in touch with them. Sam says they've got to go back for them. Jacob says they can't. And the reason for that is that he is the only one that can fly the ship and he has to make the repairs. But Sam's like, you can tell me how to do them and it'll be fine. So he's going to go fly the ship while Sam rips out some burnt crystals. (laughs) It'll be good times. Yeah. Down on the planet, in the background, we see the crashed glider. But in the foreground, a living Tilk and Jack come up over the hill. So apparently they survived the crash. They figure that the bomber was on its way to come and get Tanith before they destroyed it. So Tanith must be nearby if that was where that thing was heading. And if Tanith is nearby, then that means that they are near the Tok'ra base. That will give them a better opportunity to get picked up by everybody up on the Earth-owned mothership. (laughs) Jack tells Tilk, yeah, well, you're assuming that they're assuming that we're alive and that they're going to come back for us. But have they not met Sam and Daniel? Of course that's what they're going to (laughs) assume. And of course that's what they're going to do. Of course. I like that Tilk has more faith than Jack does, though, because he asks Jack if he wants to place a bet on that, which is... (laughs) Great. They head off in the direction that Tilk thinks that the Tok'ra base and the rings are to be found. Yay. Yay. Back on the ship. They're doing some flying. Sam's doing some repairs, I assume. Mm -hmm. But Daniel says there's a problem and that there's some flashing happening that says warning, warning in gold. While he uses flashy hands. (laughs) This is another scene where I loved Daniel's facial reactions too because he's staring dismayed at the warning signal and then doing the flashy hands like you said and then kind of like looking nervously side-eyed at jacob repeatedly yeah it was pretty great yeah unfortunately jacob confirms daniel's worries and apophis has arrived oops including a super big ass mothership way bigger than theirs super ultra mothership just appears jacob says he's a little ahead of schedule oops (laughs) jacob then goes into a retreat because there's no way they can get to vorash with all of apophis's ships there so they need to hide behind the sun and regroup figure it out from there down on the planet Jack and Tilk are heading to the Tok'ra base and Jack is just repeatedly complaining to Tilk about how he warned him and that this whole thing was a bad idea and that the Tok'ra should get their own damn mothership and that this one was theirs. But, you know, no one listens to him. <laughs> and of course, we all know that everyone listens to you. So clearly you just didn't actually bother to say anything. Otherwise, they totally would have all listened to you, Jack. Yeah. They figure that there are 45 minutes left until the explosion happens. I don't know how they could figure it out that precisely because it's not like the thing had a timer on it's not like it was a bomb with a timer on it i don't know <laughs> but okay and it looks like well at least if we don't escape we'll have still prevented tanith from escaping <laughs> cool that was very comforting for jack yeah. jack jack did not <laughs> seem very comforted by that in fact <laughs> planet surface a different dune than the one jack Tilker <laughs> on some jaffa come down to greet Tanith. 
They are wearing some very cool looking red tinted armor. Yeah. Isn't that Sokar's people? Yeah, it must be, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I couldn't remember seeing it before, but then I was like, I must have seen this. I don't know. But anyway, I really yeah. like the look of the red tinted armor. It was really cool looking. We have seen red armor before. Okay. It was kind of a, probably a little hard to tell if it was that the armor was red or just that like everything was red, including the lighting when we were with Sokar. That's but true. <laughs> my guess would be that these guys all in red are Sokars. Formerly Sokars. Jaffa. Since Sokars dead now. Yeah. They greet Tanith and says he's grateful for their service and Tanith's like I have one more thing he can be grateful for (laughs) (laughs) up on the ship Sam is just finishing up the repairs and does in fact get the hyperdrive to turn on so that's good down on the planet Jack and Tilk are still looking for the rings Tilk is pretty sure they're close to the right spot but then all of a sudden Jaffa come and shoot Tilk in the back Coming up over the dune. Jack has a firefight with the Jaffa, so it's a good thing that they don't have very good aim (laughs) because one of them manages to zat him, but it doesn't knock him out. So I guess maybe shooting him a second time wouldn't actually have killed him, but maybe it would. Who knows? We don't understand zat physics. I don't know. Right? Exactly. Yeah. He manages to take out both the Jaffa, though. However, Tanith is there. He does not manage to take Tanith out as Tanith and the unconscious Tilk are ringed up to Apophis's mothership. Uh-oh. Mm-hmm. Then we see the Stargate plunge into the sun. Do you think that they get desensitized to the Zat guns? I don't is that know. Why? Maybe. I-, I feel like Daniel's the one that gets shot the most by Zat guns. Probably. So. If we had a lot of time, we could start doing Zat gun analyses and see where in the timeline <laughs> they all get shot and how it affects them. But I feel like someone's probably done that. I feel like that is more effort than I have the bandwidth I for. I hope so. It sure is more effort than you have the bandwidth for. I, I mean, we can barely now. keep track of the... We can barely keep track of the teal cat yeah, watch, so... Yeah. <laughs> and my pants watch, I'm not counting. I'm just pointing out yeah. when people are not wearing pants. As you should. Yeah. <laughs> so that hits the sun, which Jacob reports to Sam as she comes into the control room or whatever yeah. it is. And they've got 27 minutes until the supernova. <laughs> Again, yeah. how they know that? Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> Jacob again repeats that they can't get near the planet, so they can't go rescue Tilk and Jack. Sam's like, we have to do something. So Jacob says, Apophis wants the Tok'ra, so let's give them to him. What? Let's find out. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, did you see when Tanith ringed up, he like flinched a little in the ring? Yeah. Yeah, because he got shot. Jack had nicked him in the shoulder. Yeah. Or I thought it was just the shoulder, although in this next scene, he's actually bleeding from a chest wound. He's pretty bleeding. Yeah. But he's, you know, he's living. Yeah. He is alive. He is wounded. But yeah. I'm sure that there's a sarcophagus around that yeah. can take care of the issue yeah. for him if necessary. And he says he's fine when Apophis yeah. asks because, you know, he's a tough guy. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So tough. Yeah. yeah. Apophis praises him for all his hard work with the Tok'ra. And then Tannis is like, but wait, there's more. I have this Shulva for you. Oh. They bring in Tilk. It is not obvious whether or not he is dead or just unconscious. They drop him on the floor. He doesn't move. Nope. And Apophis is very pleased. Indeed. Mm-hmm. Jacob is executing his plan, which apparently involves remote gliders. 
But obviously, the Jaffa on Apophis' ship immediately spot the gliders coming from behind the sun. So these gliders are headed out of the solar system, and I assume they're going to be followed. Are they? Oh, I thought that they were heading at Apophis' mothership. No, it's, it's the Jaffa reports the fleet is on course, and they are heading out of the system, speed increasing. Oh, yes. And then Jacob says he's taking the bait. That's right. That's right. Yeah. I totally yeah. forgot about this. But <laughs> Yeah. They do go after yeah. all of those death gliders and then realize as they're following them that there is not actually anything alive on any of them. And so they realize that it was a trap or a trick of some sort. It's a trap. <laughs> and now they realize that a Haytack is approaching the planet. Whatever the hell that is. That's their the Oh, is that ship. the other mothership? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> they have less than four minutes until the sun goes supernova, Jacob says. <laughs> okay. Yeah. They're trying to contact Jack on the planet. And they do. So they must be close enough for that. Yeah. Good for them. Daniel asks if he's in position to be ringed up. And Jack's like, <laughs> It turns out he's fine. And yep. Daniel rings him out of there. Yeah. Now, at least he would have just seen where Tanith stood when he True. got ringed up. So he would have known where to True. go. True. He's just being Jack about the whole thing. Yeah. So they collect Jack. They do. And they got to get out. On the ship, Sam's like, if my calculations were correct, and then we see out in space that the sun is exploding. <laughs> and it's taking out a whole bunch of ships with it. It's just numbing them like Pac-Man. <laughs> <laughs> Jacob says to engage hyperdrive. They are getting ready to get the hell out of there. Jack comes in and Sam asks where Tilk is. Jack has the unfortunate news that he's pretty sure that Tilk is dead. Like that ever matters because, again, sarcophagus, but yeah. whatever. Sam is insistent that if there's any chance, they have to go back for him. Jacob says that they really can't. There is a jolt and the mothership that they are in has apparently been thrown out of hyperspeed. And Jacob's like, yeah, um, so I don't think we can go back for Teal'c because we are kind of in the middle of nowhere, four million light years from where we're supposed to be. So that's weird. Yeah. <laughs> They're not even in their own galaxy anymore. They're like, I don't know, the Delta Quadrant or wherever. Yeah. That's still in this galaxy. <laughs> but, you know. Yeah. The damn caretakers thrown them across the galaxy or out of exactly. the galaxy even. <laughs> <laughs> and then, oh, apparently Apophis has also managed to get there. So we see Apophis's ship coming out of some space bubble just as Jacob is complaining that it's going to take them 125 years to get back to Earth. I can't believe what I'm hearing. This somehow reminds me so very much of another show yeah. and I can't quite put my finger on it. I mean, there's also Lost in Space. This is true. <laughs> I really enjoy the dramatic music and yes. the close-up of their faces. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So that was it for this episode. To be continued. Did you like the episode overall, aside from the looks on their faces and the dramatic music? Um, I think I did. It was, what's the word? Exciting-ish? Yeah. You know, except for that, <laughs> that is a random word. scene. Wait, thank you. It was a word. You're right. <laughs> except for that random scene where Jack and Jacob, which seemed to just be filler. Yeah. It was mostly interesting. It's like, oh, what's going to happen with Tanith? And that asshole is still alive and I can't wait <laughs> to watch him die. Hopefully soon. I'm looking forward to the conclusion of this episode. Whatever it may be, but only if Tanith dies. <laughs> How about you? I also enjoyed the episode. I 
liked that we finally get an answer to what the hell's been going on with Tanith this whole time. So that was good. It was an exciting episode. I've been trying to figure out when they got their hands on their second mothership. Now we have the answer to that one, too. So I feel like it tied up kind of a bunch of loose ends that have been nagging at me a bit. But also, I thought it was an interesting and pretty fun episode overall. I did enjoy it. Yeah. Not much else to say about no. it. No. It was a fun episode. Yeah. And if there's a second part there of it. There is, indeed. What <laughs> is that second part? Would you like to tell yeah, us about I that? would. Uh, we will be watching the first season. No. What? The first no. episode <laughs> yes. of season five. What? Which is called Enemies. Ooh. The Netflix says... After losing Teal'c to Apophis, O'Neill, Carter, Daniel, and Jacob find themselves aboard Cronus's ship, stranded in a remote part of the galaxy. That is literally the end of this episode. Huh. Yes, that tells us yeah. nothing. <laughs> the booklet says, barely escaping a destructive supernova. Hmm, who did that? SG-1 is surprised to learn that Teal'c also survived and is now under the mind control of the maniacal Apophis. Will SG-1 be able to rescue Teal'c from the clutches of Apophis, or will they perish trying? So, spoiler alert, I guess he's not dead. Yeah. Not that that's surprising, because, again, even if he was dead, he could be brought back. So maybe he was dead. Doesn't really matter. Yeah. Spoiler alert, too. I actually already watched this episode. (gasps) I did not. And I actually don't remember a whole lot about it. It went places I forgot about. Yeah, it goes places. I feel like I remembered more about this episode than I remember about the next one. And I know I say that like all the time. I'm like, I don't know if I remember. But a lot of these, I remember them as I'm watching them. Right. I don't remember them from the vague descriptions that we get on Netflix or from the book a lot of the time. Yeah. Yeah fabulous yeah as always thanks for listening make sure that you subscribe to us if you have not already done so so that you can get our episodes as soon as they come out every wednesday likes and reviews are very much appreciated to help other people find the show and word of mouth is great for that as well if you'd like to get in touch with us we love to hear from you you can find us on twitter and instagram you can email us at stargatesing at gmail.com And if you are feeling generous, you can contribute to the show financially over at patreon.com slash stargatesing. I'm Mary. I am Kathy. And you've been listening to Stargatesing, the end. The end. Yay. Um, what can I do to help you? (laughs) Thank you. Um, yeah. I was going to ask if you wanted to start doing some of the descript stuff or some of the audition stuff. Which would you prefer? I don't know. Whatever would be, whatever, whatever would be easiest for you to show me so that I could do so that you can, yeah, so I can take something off your plate. 